Uh, good evening. Welcome back to Highland tonight. It's good to see the crowd here, and if you're online, we're glad you could join us. Once again, it's, it's not Brother Jim. He's up in Calgary, so you don't have me to listen to much. But we do have the honor of having Nathan Dorrell here tonight. And he's director at uh, uh, Motlow College, BCM. And we're so fortunate that he could come and bring us our message tonight. Uh, so we're going to, we do want to remember uh, Jim and all the team that's up in Calgary. Be with them uh, and our prayers for them. We also want to have prayers for our Centra kids that will be leaving tomorrow morning bright and early. And I believe they do have, now have a male chaperone. And so we want to pray for them kids and their safe travels and that they have a wonderful experience. So, Mike, if you'll come and, and uh, lead us in our song uh, opening, and then Nathan will come and uh, bring us our message. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and here's this thing if you want it. Um, I've got the pleasure to now learn more about Brother Nathan because I've known your dad for, for years and years and years. Uh, but uh, you're a whole lot like him. Um, let's sing tonight, 484, Higher Ground. We're going to sing the first, second, and uh, third verse. Miss Pat. Well, tonight, uh, before we begin our message time, I thought, I thought it would be really good if we could pray for our visitor this morning together and uh, just pray for her. You said she's from New York, and obviously she was wearing lots of layers of clothes. So we were a little not knowing exactly what to expect and what was going on. I had no idea she would just take off and leave either. So 
let's pray for her. I felt like she really needed prayer this morning, um, whether it be that she's in bondage to something uh, in her life, like uh, drugs or whatever. Not sure, but let's let's pray for her. Lord, I pray that you would bless this woman that we met this morning for a very short time. We know not much, just that she came from New York and that she um, came in and and we saw her. We knew she was here and she let us know she was here. We don't know what's going on in her life, Lord, but it seems like there must be something really dark going on in her life that she needs you to help her with. And I pray that you would work in her life, work in her heart. Uh, I pray for the people of the church that if anyone sees her in town, they can approach her and find out what kind of prayer needs she needs so we can pray better for her, so we can reach out to her and meet the needs that she has right here. Uh, I just pray that you would bless her right now and help her remember her visit here this morning. And I pray that you would also work wonders in her life uh, through your people, Lord, whether it's us or somebody else. I pray that you would send your servants to really reach out to her in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Well, tonight, uh, the title of the sermon might, might seem the opposite of what I was sharing this morning, but I, I felt like... I should share this one with you guys when I was praying about what to share. And it, it's not a message that I preached before, but it did come from a book I read. The idea of where the sermon came from came from a book I read. And it really had me thinking as I read that book afterwards and everything. So um, now I was about to tell you the author of the book, and it slipped my mind just now. <laughs> but I'll remember uh, probably while I'm preaching, I'll just tell you. <laughs> so, but... Uh, the, the message tonight is when to hold back the gospel. When to hold back the gospel. It might sound a little opposite from what we preached this morning because we're supposed to go into the ends of the earth and we're supposed to share the gospel. And, and uh, tonight I wanted to share with you when to hold back the gospel. And I think it's an important message that Jesus taught us because when you know when to hold back the gospel, you'll really know when you need to share the gospel as well. So when do we hold back the gospel? If you would, stand with me as we read one verse tonight, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. May God bless the reading of his word in our hearts tonight. You may be seated. Do not give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs. Uh, this verse probably has confused a lot of people over the years. And I just wanted to really take several minutes here at the beginning of the, of the t message time to look at the different ways this uh, passage breaks down. The, the first, there's two great symbols that Jesus uses. Uh, he uses what's holy, and he uses pearls. And so when you think about what is that which is holy, um, it's what's been separated, set apart for God. It's, it's the, the things that that holy word, that word holy is really the highest spiritual word that we can attain. I mean, if we're holy before God, that's the highest place we can be at. And so he's used this highest spiritual word here. And then he's also used the word pearls. Now, 
we don't think a lot about pearls today. I mean, probably you all have maybe a set of pearls at your house. Maybe you have your mom's pearls, or maybe you have your grandmother's pearls still. Because, I mean, they are something that people wear, and they are beautiful, uh, but we don't think of them as the highest value of all. But I just thought I'd mention today that in the first century, pearls were the highest valued treasure above gold, above silver. Pearls were very rare. I mean, think about it. They had no scuba equipment. Nobody was going diving very far for pearls. They had no oxygen tanks to keep them underwater, and they didn't have machinery that could dredge the bottom of the ocean to bring up hundreds and hundreds of pearls like we do today. And so we don't think of them as a great value, but he's used here the highest valued treasure on earth at the time. So he's used two different things, one the highest physical value and one the highest spiritual value. And so those two things I wanted to point out as we go into this next part because he's also used two pictures of something that's very low. And so we're looking here and he says, do not give what is holy to dogs. Now, in Jesus' day, the word dogs was also the exact same word the Jews used for Samaritan. I mean, they were the same word. Uh, Jesus, as you remember, uh, when the woman came to plead for her case, asking for him to, to heal, uh, he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, but sir, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. She was admitting she was a dog. She was admitting, yes, I'm, I'm the lowest of people. See, that's what the word dogs represents here. Jesus is talking about the lowest people. And he's not referring to Samaritans like the Jews would have been, but he's talking about the lowest people on earth. We're not to cast our pearls before the lowest people on earth. And they use the word dogs for the lowest people. And he also uses the word swine. And, well, you know, before I, uh, before I move to the swine, let me, let me make one more thing clear. I, I just looked at my notes and saw that I had explained that just a little better. I want to tell you why the Jews looked at the Samaritans as dogs and why there was such animosity between the Jews and Samaritans so that the Jews thought they were lower than low. If you could have a negative value, the Jews would have put negative value on the Samaritans. And one, one reason is, of course, that they were half-bred Jews. You probably all know that. You've probably heard that before. I mean, they were conquered by uh, you know, the Assyrians a long time before, and then they wound up intermarrying with them and so here they are, the Jews really despise them because they're not full-blooded Jews anymore. They've, they've been mixed with others. And, and the scripture clearly says, don't do that. Don't mix with unbelievers. And so uh, they really don't think much of them because of that. The second reason is that the Samaritans have um, accepted only five books of the scripture. They've accepted... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's it. They stop there. They don't believe in any Jew, Israel, prophets of Israel is what they would have called them. There's no prophets in Israel. They, they totally said, no, we don't believe that. We do not believe the prophets of Israel. And also the Psalms. David wasn't our king. That's not, that's not scripture. You know? And so 
Here we have a people that the Jews see, they reject most of the scriptures and they're half-bred Jews. And so they look down on them. There was one other huge reason why they looked down on them. They built a temple. Uh, the Samaritan temple was on a hill in Samaria and Sychar. You can see that when you look at the woman at the well. And so um, they built this temple, but one of the things they did was like, well, we're not like the Jews in Israel. And so when church, I'm going to call them church members, the temple people that came and worshiped at the temple died, they had a burial ground around the temple. And so all the people buried around the temple, a Jew could not even walk to the Samaritan temple without becoming unclean. They thought it was absolutely disgusting that these people would go walk through a cemetery, be unclean, and then go into their temple and present worship to God. I mean, they really looked down on these people, and it was true that they just despised them. And so I just wanted to mention those things because that's why they looked down on them, and it comes into play into some of our message later on, too. So um, then we move to the pigs. And you guys know what Jews think about pigs. <laughs> I mean, they won't touch them. They won't eat them. This is an unclean animal, the worst of the worst. And uh, really, uh, the, the, uh, the biggest thing that uh, they would look at as just no way are they going to have anything to do with pigs. So he's used two things here that the lo lowest of the low mixed with the highest of the high here to try to explain something to us here. And... I want to read it one more time. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Now, I'm not smart enough to figure out exactly what Jesus is talking about without looking at Jesus' life because I can't say, well, I know what that is exactly. I can tell you exactly what that is and, and what we need to watch out for and who we need to make sure we don't throw our pearls to and don't give what's holy to. Um, but when I started looking at Jesus and seeing when did Jesus cast his pearls and, and when did he hold them back, I started to see a little bit of a pattern and I started to realize that he's really showing us through his example and his life um, how we can see when to cast our pearls and when to hold them back. So, first uh, story, I'm going to just kind of use a couple stories, and this one I'm very familiar with, Zacchaeus, um, and you guys are very familiar with it too. It's one we sing about even when we were in Vacation Bible School or before Vacation Bible School when we were in the church nursery. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he? Luke 19, 1 through 10 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. And immediately he came down and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and muttered, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I give back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, 
For this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Salvation's come to this house. He's let those pearls come right out to Zacchaeus. He's, he's given the great treasure. He's let these pearls out. And so we're going to look a little closer at that story again after we um, look. I'm going to turn to this one. I love this story too, and I'm really familiar with it, but I don't have the whole thing in my head and heart right now. So um, John 14, I'm just going to read part of the story. John 4, I'm sorry part of the story of the woman at the well and see this part where he pours out those pearls, okay? So, uh, beginning in verse 19, Sir, the woman said, well, let me go back another verse. Uh, Verse 16, I'm going to start in verse 16 instead. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I the one speaking to you, and he, he pours out the pearls. He says, I'm the one you're wanting to believe, that you already believe in. You just need to know me. He pours out those pearls to this woman. And we know from the rest of the story, just from what you guys know, that she immediately believes, and she goes and she tells everybody, I think this is the Messiah right at the well. Come to the well with me. And she tells the whole town, and they all come out to meet him, and he has to stay there two more days because so many people are saved. Um, So, here we have another instance where Jesus pours out the pearls. He gives what's holy out. He's saying, these people are not dogs. These people are not pigs. I'm going to give them this treasure. And so, I want to go to one where he doesn't pour them out next. And so we can think about all three of these stories together. And this is the story of the rich young ruler from Mark 10, 17 through 27. That one says, Jesus, uh, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus said. No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Somebody just tried to come in the back door. All these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had so much wealth. So much wealth. Jesus 
does not pour out this great treasure to this guy. He doesn't, he doesn't make it so um, that it, it looks like, oh, well, this guy's going to get saved. <laughs> he, he, he lets him go away sad, the scripture says. He turns and he goes away sad because he had so much. He didn't grab hold of a treasure. He didn't, Jesus didn't pour the treasure out into his hands, into his heart. And I want to think about the difference in these three stories right now. So, think about first Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus encounters Jesus and you see something change in Zacchaeus. You really see the change. And uh, it's something like this. He says, Today, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And what I've cheated, I'm giving back four times now. He confessed his sins right then. He was repentant of his sins. He was repenting of his sins right there with Jesus. He was saying, yes, I have been stealing from people. I've been cheating from people. And you see this repentant heart and Jesus pours out the treasure. With the woman at the well, it's a little harder to see. But I believe when she says, I see that you're a prophet. She's saying, I'm not proud of it, but you just named my sins. That is my life. You just named it. And I do believe that this is a, a repentant heart because the Samaritans didn't believe in any Jewish prophet. They did not believe in any Jewish prophet. Not one. Not any of them had written scripture. They didn't believe in any of these prophets. Yet, here's this man that comes to the well, and she disses him at the start. She's like... How are you even asking me for a drink? I mean, she said that to him. She's like, how is it that you, a Jewish man, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because they didn't talk to each other. So she is dissing him at the start. And then she's like, oh, I see that you are, are a prophet of God. And so she has come to this place where she's saying, you know my sins, and I'm not going to deny it. You know me well, because God's revealed it to you. And so... Here is another repentant heart. Someone who's saying, yes, adultery, that's me. Uh, Zacchaeus was like, yes, stealing, I've broken that commandment. I have greed, yes, that's me. And he was confessing, he was saying yes, and he was turning to Jesus. He said, do you remember what Zacchaeus said? He said, look, Lord. He was not placing himself. He was the chief tax collector. He was not placing himself in a high spot anymore. He was taking the most humble spot. <laughs> she was taking the humble spot saying, yeah, you're the prophet. I'm nothing. You're the prophet. And then she finds out he's not just the prophet. He's the Messiah. But this rich young ruler, this rich young ruler is different. I believe that in this story we can see what Jesus is talking about when he says, do not give what's holy to dogs. Do not cast your pearls to swine. Because the rich young ruler, he hears the commands, the commandments. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he's like, teacher, I've kept all those. Check. I'm good. I'm good. Now what do I need to do? I just want to get to heaven. Go ahead and tell me. I just want to do one more thing so I can get to heaven. And Jesus holds those pearls back. He says, just go sell everything. Give to the poor, come follow me. I mean, 
if he could have done it, <laughs> I believe he could have found Jesus because all the wealth and everything was keeping him from Jesus. But he doesn't, Jesus just doesn't pour out and here's salvation for you. He's like, you've got to do something I want you to do first, then come follow me. Now the following Jesus is what would have saved him, given the place in, Jesus, in heaven, not the selling of the possessions and all that. But he doesn't pour out that treasure to him. He doesn't give that treasure to this man. And so as you think about it, we're really looking for people who have broken hearts, contrite spirits over their sin. We're really looking for people who are ready. Jesus is saying, check and make sure they're ready. Then, if they're ready, pour out that good news. Pour out that good news. How can you tell if someone is ready? I wanted to read a couple verses from the Old Testament. Psalm 34, 18. And I've already mentioned some of the things mentioned in this verse. Uh, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Saves those crushed in spirit. Uh, Psalm 51, 17, a similar verse. 51, 17. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, O God. A broken and humble heart. Uh, one more from Isaiah uh, chapter 57, verse 15. I love this verse. For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this. I live in a high and holy place. And with the oppressed and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. God's looking for humble people who recognize their brokenness, who recognize their sin, and he wants us, when we see those broken hearts and, and uh, contrite hearts, he wants us to pour out the pearls. So how do we test for that? How do we tests to see if someone is ready uh, for the gospel. How do we test and see? Uh, Jesus, in these three stories, each time he holds up a mirror in a way. It's, it's, this is just a figure of speech that I'm saying now, but he holds up a mirror for them to look in. And he holds that mirror up but for Zacchaeus. Uh, are you greedy? Do you, are you, have you stolen? He holds up the law and Zacchaeus confesses. He looks in the mirror and he sees who he is and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to give back. I'm going to do this. For the woman at the well, he holds up the mirror to see if she'll recognize her adultery. He's holding up the mirror of the law. He's saying, go get your husband. He wants to see if she'll say, well, I'm actually an adulteress. <laughs> and she confesses. She recognizes her sin. Uh, for the rich young ruler, he holds up the mirror again. He says, you know the commandments. Do, 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 you know. And uh, he, he holds it up. and The guy says, check mark. I'm good. What else do I need to do to get to heaven? Because I want to make sure I'm there. No 
No contrite heart, no humble spirit. And so Jesus holds up this mirror of the law. He holds it up for the woman at the well. He holds it up for Zacchaeus. And he, when he holds it up and they respond, he pours out this treasure to him. But the rich young ruler gets no pearls that day. Uh, now, um, let, just let God lead you as you're going. I'm not telling you don't go out and share the gospel. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying hold up the law and check and see if someone is ready. See if they have a humble and contrite spirit, if they're willing to say. Um, now, I do remember the guy's name now um, that I read the book from, and some of you might like him, some of you might not. It was Ray Comfort. And I actually get a little uncomfortable when I watch some of his videos online because when he witnesses, he can be very, um, I don't know what the word to say is, but uh, overbearing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the word. Overbearing sometimes. I mean, but I'm going to kind of give you an example of what, what he does, not because I think you should do it his way, but he does hold up the mirror of the law, but he'll, he'll say it this way. He'll say, now, I just want to ask you a few questions. Do you think you're a good person? That's the first question he usually asks. And they'll say, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Say, okay, okay. Well, let me then ask you, uh, just out of the Ten Commandments, I'm going to just name a few. Um, have you ever told a lie? And they'll say, well, yeah. Uh, oh, he says, so you're a liar. And then he'll say, uh, have you ever done this and done that? He goes through the commandments and says, okay, so basically at the end of his thing, as he's talking to the person, basically you've just admitted me that you're an adulterer, liar, and a thief. And so, on the day of judgment, uh, which is it? Are you going to be guilty or innocent before God? And usually the people do recognize they're guilty at that point because he's gone through this um, very thoroughly and stuff like that. And so, um, so he, he gets them to say, well, yeah, I'm guilty then before God. And he said, so does that mean you'll be in heaven or hell? And usually the people realize at that point they're going to be in hell forever and ever. And then he's like, oh, but uh, there's good news. <laughs> and so he does get to the good news, but he, he can be a little overbearing at the beginning before he gets to the good news as he holds up the mirror. And sometimes I get very uncomfortable because he's recording all this on video for YouTube to see. <laughs> and so you might go watch one of his videos some, someday just to see. But I was reading his book because he um, had some very good points to make about making sure you use the law when you witness. That was what the book was really about that I read. It was, it was saying start with the law so people can realize that they are sinners. But the more I, I looked through it and the more I prayed about it and the more I looked into the scripture, the more I realized Jesus was holding up the mirror of the law very kindly. <laughs> he was holding it up very kindly. I mean, he just asked the woman, go get your husband and come back. I mean, that's a nice, polite question, right? <laughs> of course, he knew her. He knew that she would have to admit that she had no husband and that there was the, you know, that she was going to be contrite and broken in spirit, too. So he knew her. So I suggest that you be very kind as you hold up the law. But I do think after reading the book and after praying about it that Jesus does hold up the law first and then shares the treasure as he sees this broken and contrite spirit. And I want to show you from the New Testament a verse that tells us about this mirror. Uh, James 1, 23 through 25 says this, 
Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. So listen closely. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law. So this time he named the mirror. He says the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. In other words, he's going to see the sin in his life and he's going to repent. <laughs> he's going to be blessed because he sees what needs to change as he looks into the law. Because the law definitely helps us look into the mirror and see our imperfection, but it also helps us to see the perfection of Christ because he's the one that fulfilled the law. So we can look into this law and we see our sin, our imperfection, but we also see the perfection of Christ. And when we look into this mirror of the law, we see what God wants to change in us and we can let him change it. Uh, most people, I think, when they look in the mirror, they'll, the mirror we're talking about, they'll grab the mirror and try to fix the spot. <laughs> you know, instead of grabbing the soap, they grab the mirror. Oh, I need to get rid of that spot. Let me see. <laughs> grab the mirror, try to rub it off, and they look back in the mirror later. Oh, I'm not going to look in that anymore. Um, because they just try to use the law to get better at the law. They're like, okay, I messed up here. I got to do better. I got to do better. They see that they've messed up, but they're trying to take the law into their own hands and use it to get better. Um, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's why Jesus came. He came to cleanse us of those things that we'll see in the mirror. He cleanses and takes them all the way away. But I want to show you, um, you know, even as we think about this, Isaiah 64, verse 6, is just a reminder that all our good things that we do, everything we do, is what's it worth? Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like an unclean thing, and all of our righteous acts are like a filthy rag. All of our righteous acts are like a filthy rag. You know what? For the person that's trying to be good enough, they're trying to be good enough to get into heaven like the rich young ruler. He's like, just give me one more thing. I can do it. No matter how much good we do, in God's eyes, it's a filthy rag, just as filthy as our sin. Because even in our good things, we can't line up with perfection. You know, if I had to line up with my perfection in, in our ministry, it wouldn't line up with perfection. I can't minister like Christ in every way, but through his power, he, he can minister through me. And, but if I'm trying to weigh my own good deeds in our ministry, it doesn't measure up to Christ. If I go and do a, a good deed for somebody, maybe we go and do a good deed for this woman that came in this morning and we were able to find out where she was and we could go a good, do a good deed, even all of our motives wouldn't have been right. And the Bible says we're judged for our motives. So we have to remember that as we look into the law, we see our imperfection, but we see the perfection of Christ. And it brings us to the point where we bow down to him and... He convicts us of our sins so we can come and experience his righteousness in our lives. And so today I want to encourage you.
to share the gospel, yes, but don't throw your pearls to swine and don't give what's holy to dogs. I think it's a good lesson for us to remember because it really helps us learn to share the gospel because we'll realize that most people would like to humble themselves before God. Most people would like you to hold the mirror up for them so they can see they're a dog and confess it, let God cleanse them. So they can see they're a pig, they're the lowest of low, they've sinned before a holy God. They'd like you to hold that mirror up so they can have God wash them clean, so they can be a child of the king. Because that's what God does. He takes those humble, those lowly pigs and dogs like we were. (laughs) Like we were, but then he broke our hearts. He humbled our spirits. And he brought us from darkness into light gave us a new heart (laughs) a heart of stone he gives us a heart of flesh and changes you and me so tonight as you consider the message from the Lord uh, don't remember what I've said but remember whatever God's spoken to your heart tonight Uh, remember that he loves us he doesn't want us to get torn to pieces (laughs) he wants us to be able to do the work of the kingdom so remember to hold up that mirror like Jesus did, and then pour out the treasure. Pour out the treasure if you see a humble and contrite spirit because God wants to save them. Let's pray. God, I just pray that you would clear up any, anything that we didn't understand tonight, anything that we might need clearing up in our hearts and minds. Lord, we know that you want us to go out and share the gospel with the whole world, but even you have warned us and said for us not to give what is holy to dogs and not to throw our pearls to swine, and we want to honor you in everything. So I pray that you help us to recognize those situations because I remember times when I have, when I've thrown the pearls out and they've been trampled. And I remember times when I've given what's holy to dogs and they've torn it to pieces and you have protected me not allowed me to be torn to pieces but you are good Lord you are so good and you will teach us and guide us and even when we've messed up you forgive us and you help us to follow you step by step through this life and I pray you lead us and guide us with your spirit now and I just praise you for the opportunity of being together tonight in the powerful name of Jesus I pray Amen. If you need to come to the altar and do business with God or if you need to talk, just uh, come to the front if you need to and we'll talk or you can pray. Y'all join us with uh, hymn 305, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Y'all can stand. decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. 
Thank you all for uh, being here tonight, and thank you for turning, uh, joining us through the computer or phones. And uh, we've really enjoyed, Brother Nathan, you being with us today. You've definitely blessed our hearts. Uh, as we pray now, I pray for those that have been mentioned today in our service that are on our bulletins, uh, those that are looking at upcoming surgeries, and those that have gone through some uh, surgeries and are recovering. Lord, just continue to, to ask the Lord to be with them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for your blessings, for the love and, and the joy that we have through you, for the opportunities to meet in your house, Lord, and to share uh, your words. And, I, and not only in sermon and, and in teachings, but also through song. Lord, we just praise your, your name. Lord, as we go into this week, we pray that, that we... Find the opportunities to share the pearls uh, where you lead us. Lord, I pray that you just forgive us where we fall short, and, and we praise you, and we'll talk later. In Christ's name, amen.